Today is Monday, October the 17th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, as we sit at the halfway point of the Gamecocks 2022 football season, I'll look back at the first six games and hand out some grades in our annual midseason report card show. Guys, I'll talk offense, defense, special teams, coaching, and I'll give an overall grade for the first half as well. Also, we'll recognize our first half MVPs for offense, defense, and special teams. Finally, I'll talk the opening line for South Carolina, Texas A&M, what Vegas thinks ahead of the matchup in a big one at Williams-Brice Stadium. Guys, all that and more. We have got a packed show for you here on this Monday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Price picks. Go down the Price Picks app, go to pricepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS at sign up to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game in the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works you pick two to five players, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry, guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entries. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes, parlay with the over on Rattler, guys. You can play, of course, every college sport you can think of, MLB, NHL, NBA, NFL, you name it. They've got it. Also, they got a slick, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store, Google Play, and Prize Picks is 4.8 star rated in the App Store with rave reviews. Guys, so many of our listeners and fans of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. Go down the Prize Picks app, go to prizepicks.com, and when you do, use that promo code TSUS at sign up to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Let's get it.
What a weekend of college football. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, happy Monday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show as always. And how can you not love college football, man? I know it was the bye week for the Gamecocks, but so many memorable games. Of course, the game of the weekend, Tennessee and Alabama. And certainly, we've had a lot of commentary and conversation about that one. And I'm sure it will continue as we go throughout the week. But an incredible weekend. I would argue most certainly the best Saturday the college football season has had to offer thus far. And very excited. The Gamecocks will be back on the field this weekend and getting back after as the second half of the season begins. Again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much for the continued love and support. Hope you guys enjoyed your bye week, by the way. And I hope this show does find you, no matter where you are, what you are doing. Guys, I first want to shout out my good friend Matthew Scott and the South Carolina Youth Diabetes Association softball game that yours truly and many, many others took place in over the weekend. I just want to shout out Matthew for giving me an opportunity to be a part of the game, even though he told me go Tigers. When I got there, Matthew, I'm still pissed off that you said that. But no, seriously, um, a really great cause. And I'll tell you this, guys, I'm extremely grateful to have the opportunity to give back and be part of such a great uh, great organization and be part of the game. We had a blast. Uh, I will say I woke up a little bit sore on Sunday been a while since uh I ran around like that and swung a bat and got on the field and threw the ball around but a great time with a with a great bunch of people and I don't think he'd mind me saying this guys we raised over twelve thousand dollars for kids with type 1 diabetes and again it's just I'm so grateful and such a blessing to be part of such a great organization and be able to give back in such a manner so Matthew Scott of South Carolina Youth Diabetes Association shout out to him Uh, and you guys definitely consider uh, donating you know being a part contributing how you can at minimum come out to the game next year that I'm hoping I receive an invite to. So Matt, if you're listening, hey, I'm down to play again, my guy. I'm down to be a sponsor once again. But I really do want to just take the time on the airwaves to say thank you to Matthew. That was an incredible time. And uh, we had a lot of fun out there in Lancaster. That was the first time I had been at Lancaster's Field since, God, I mean, I was probably in high school playing showcase ball. So it was really cool to go back and, again, met some great people and all for a great cause as well. And we had a really, really good time. Uh, Again, guys, I hope this show does find you, no matter where you are, what you are doing. Really excited. It is Texas A&M week. And, of course, we'll be breaking down the Aggies all week long. Looking forward to seeing you guys out at Seawells this Saturday because, of course, the TSUS tailgate does return from Seawells spot 78. And, guys, let me remind you, if you're looking – at the main Seawells building from the street, right? I understand right now it's fair week, so things are kind of crazy. But if you're looking at the Seawells building from the road, we are just to the left of the building in the paved lot. We will have merchandise on hand yet again, guys. I will have koozies. I will have towels, all your Beamer Ball merchandise in regards to towels and koozies. I will not have hats or T-shirts or hoodies or anything like that, but the towels and koozies I will have. Also, shout out my good friend A1 Air Quality Consultants, our lead pipe lock of the week segment. Uh, I will have those koozies to hand out for free to anyone who stops by. Also, I'll have the Beamer Ball stickers on hand. Still have those to give away as well. We will be out there at 1 o'clock up until kickoff. So, again, should be a lot of fun, guys. Of course, a night game at Williams-Brice Stadium. I know everybody's really excited. And I, I expect the tailgate scene to be absolutely electric, just like it was week one, just like it was, or just like it's been really all season long. So, again, going to be a lot of fun. The TSUS tailgate returns. Always a good time out at Seawells. Spot 78, not the grass lot, 
the paved lot. And again, you will see our TSUS and Big Cock Club flags flying high. You absolutely cannot miss them, I can assure you. But again, guys, can't wait to see y'all out there. Going to be one heck of a time and really excited for this week. Now, again, like I said, we're going to spend all week long, right? Because there's no game from this past weekend to break down and dissect and detail and talk about. So we're going to spend all week long, literally breaking down the Aggies and talking about this game and, you know, really excited because this is a big one, obviously, in a game I think we can all agree is going to go a long way in setting the tone for the second half of the season. But before we look ahead, guys, let's look back on the first half of this season, the first six games, what was for the Gamecocks, offensively, defensively, special teams, coaching, overall, all the way around. And I'm going to hand out some grades in our annual mid-season report card show. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into it. And we'll start with the offensive side of the football through six games, the Gamecocks sit averaging 33.7 points per game, 389 yards per game, 38% conversion on third downs, and South Carolina is currently 12th in the SEC in total offense. I think around 75th or 77th nationally in total offense. Now, it's funny, guys, when I was looking back at the numbers for the first half last year compared to this year, a major jump, right? At the halfway point of last year, I think you were averaging around 22 points per game, like 330 yards per game. So there has been a jump, most certainly. I think a lot of these numbers, though, and and the feelings, even, even with the 4-2 and two record, even coming off of the win at Kentucky, I think it is safe and it is fair to say that the offense has not been quite what we expected to this point, right? You look at Spencer Rattler's stat line for starters, and I understand a lot of those interceptions are not his fault. But the stats say five touchdowns to eight interceptions. I think if you'd have told anyone that that would be his stat line at this point in the season, they would have called you crazy. Now, of course, the bright spot at this point has been Marshawn Lloyd. He has been the breakout player of the first half, I would say, has been your feature guy on the offensive side, of course, in the running game, but I think also in the passing game as well. He's shown flashes, you know, really had his breakthrough games against Charlotte and SC State and then proved he could do it against quality competition, SEC competition, in that win over Kentucky. Also, I do want to mention the offensive line, who I pronounced as basically dead after that first game against Georgia State. They have improved game after game after game. They're still not elite, of course, but the offensive line looks much better at this point than it did early on in this season. Um, you look at the use of your playmakers, right? Antoine Wells, Jaheim Bell, Josh Van. A lot there, Austin Stogner, he added to the portal, a lot there left to be desired because the numbers don't exactly jump off the page for you. Again, I know what the numbers say, guys. 33.7 points per game, and we talked about that if the Gamecocks averaged 30 points per game or more this season, that that would be a success. I think you've really got to dive into the numbers, though, and break down just how the Gamecocks have gotten to 33.7 points per game when you factor in the defense, when you factor in the special teams, when you factor in 
how much of that average is really purely offensive points and how much of it is sort of assisted, if you will, by the other facets of the game. Again, you factor in Marcus Satterfield, his play calling, the explosiveness or lack thereof, the creativity or lack thereof. And of course, guys, offense is the thing that we feel going to the second half, even sitting at four and two, one and two in conference play that we want to see improve. So again, I feel like there have been bright spots. Again, the bright spots being the offensive line showing improvement, Marshawn Lloyd being a breakout player. But outside of that, you still haven't really seen the passing game get going the way we thought it would. Now, does the second half in Lexington lead to much bigger things down the stretch? We will see. But right now, guys, when it comes to my grade for the Gamecocks offense at the halfway point, I'm grading this offense a C minus. And I know that might be a little bit harsh, but I think when you factor in preseason expectations, and I feel like, guys, I feel like my preseason expectations were fair. I really do. I don't think I set these these crazy expectations that South Carolina was going to be what Tennessee is, for example, on the offensive side. But even I can sit here and tell you, I have been extremely underwhelmed with what I've seen from Spencer Rattler. And in no way am I calling for his job, but the statistics and the stat line is really shocking. It is really surprising at this point. Again, Marshawn Lloyd, you know, I think back to the preseason documentary that aired on ESPNU and we were watching the, you know, them detailing his recovery and his journey back to getting healthy. And, you know, it's nice to see Marshawn Lloyd meeting our hopes and dreams of what we thought he was going to be but really outside of that. And it's not even a running game. That's the crazy thing. I mean, I think SC State and Charlotte, they were great wins, and you have to play everybody on your schedule. But I think the numbers are almost a little bit inflated because of those games as well, right? You drop 50 burgers in both those games. And your SEC games, you know, Kentucky, you win the football game with the first half. You have 90 total yards in the first half of the game. Uh, obviously, Georgia was abysmal. And then Arkansas – you do score 30 points. It wasn't a, a horrific offensive game, but still a lot left to be desired in the ground game. And then, of course, Georgia State, you couldn't run the football as well. So I, I do think this is an offense that's improving. I think it's an offensive line that's improving. But to this point, a C-minus feels right. We need to see more from Spencer Rattler. We need to see more from the scheme. We need to see more from the play calling. Marcus Satterfield, obviously, coaching for his job on a week-in, week-out basis. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is the facet of the football team that when you look at this group, right, the, 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 the record is there. The record is where we all hope to be. The record is exactly where I picked it to be. But when I say things like it just doesn't quite look the way we were all hoping for, the way we were all expecting – you're talking specifically about the offense. It hasn't been flashy. It hasn't been fun. It hasn't been sexy. It hasn't been explosive. I, I, I use the word sputter on the Daily Crow on Friday. I, I would use the word blah for the offense, and that's just sort of what it's been. And for that reason, I grade this offense at a C-minus grade to the first six games. Let's move to defense. And, guys, you take a look at the numbers for the Gamecocks on the defensive side of the ball, 25 points per game allowed to this point, 354 yards per game, 179 yards per game through the air, 174 yards per game on the ground, 39% uh, allowed on third down, and nine takeaways total, eight interceptions with one fumble recovery as well. Here's a side note, guys, and I mentioned this on social media. What's crazy, when you think about the fact 
The Gamecocks are 4-2 and two overall, 1-2 and two in SEC play, and you mentioned the nine takeaways. South Carolina is near the bottom in all of college football in turnover margin at minus six. Minus six. You recall they're one of the best in the country last year, minus six through six games. And South Carolina is still somehow four and two. Pretty wild when you think about it. Uh, but on the defensive side, you know, it was a rough start, obviously. First three games, you give up 200 or more rushing yards. Um, you know, you saw some, some deficiencies in the secondary, at least early on. Uh, I think injuries obviously played a big factor. You lose Jordan Strawn and Mo Kaba off the jump, really, after the Arkansas game. Uh, a dominating performance, of course, in Lexington. You're coming off your best performance of the season against the Kentucky Wildcats when you were able to generate six sacks. I'm going to give the defense a B-. minus. I think the defense has been solid. I don't think they've been elite, obviously, by any stretch. But I think they've been about what I expected. You know, at this point last year, I think at the halfway point, you're averaging giving up something like 24 points per game. And you had, what's crazy, guys, you know, I felt like, has the secondary been as good? You had nine interceptions at the halfway point last year. You've got eight interceptions this year. So I, I think all in all, the defense has been solid. Um, you know, I'm not going to, again, say they've been elite, but I certainly don't think they've taken a sort of step back. You've had to play some young guys. You look at guys like Nick Eamon-Warry and Gilbert Edmonds had to play more meaningful snaps. Nick Barrett, TJ Sanders, you know, of course, finally seeing the defensive line show up and show out in Lexington was a very encouraging sign. Um, I, I've got really no complaints with the defense. Uh, certainly, again, there have been some 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 times with the defense you you were wanting more, but all in all, I think the defense has been solid for you. Again, they've got to continue to win at the point of attack, win a line of scrimmage, win with that pass rush. I think the secondary is solid as long as they stay healthy. You know, we really saw the impact of the return of Darius Rush and how much that meant to this Gamecocks defensive unit in Lexington. He played lights out, I thought, in that ball game. Um, you know, the linebacker position, Sherrod Green, second on your defense and tackles right now. He's been very solid for you stepping up. You know, was not a starter when the season started out. Uh, so I think when you factor in some of the injuries they've had, some of the guys they lost from last year, I think the first half overall was solid. Now, we need to continue to see this group improve against the run, which is one of the biggest reasons I've got them listed as a B-. minus. 174 yards per game given up on the ground. That's still near the bottom of the conference. You like to see that improve. But, uh, but all in all, guys, I would tell you this. In an era of college football where the game is so offensively driven, the rules you know, work in favor of the offense. I, I think your defense has been solid to this point. Could they be better? Sure. I think, you know, generating more turnovers, you have just that one fumble recovery. Um, you know, you, you can always be better getting more turnovers, but I think all in all, Clayton White's unit has done a pretty solid job of keeping the Gamecocks in games like I expected them to. And I think you'll see more of that as the season continues. So again, guys, lock me in for a B minus grade for the defense. Let's move into special teams. Beamer ball. And this group, guys, has been electric. Five block punts, which is number one in college football. All in all, I would say the return game has been solid. Nothing electric, but solid. Xavier Leggett, I think, is doing a pretty good job on kickoff returns. Josh Van which is where he's getting most of his actions, returning punts. He's been solid for you there as well. We've also seen some fakes, the swinging gate plays. We've seen Kai Kroger flash his arm a couple of times. Shout out Kai Kroger, TSUS athlete, by the way. We've seen Tonka Hemingway get in on the action with a couple of fakes. 
Guys, this is a no-brainer. I'm giving the special teams an A-plus. Shane Beamer, Pete Limbo, what they've done. Uh, Mitch Jeter's been fantastic, kicking field goals six for six on the year. Kai Kroger continues to be a weapon at the punter position. Um, I, I don't I don't think you can find one complaint, really, with, with special teams. I, I think the only one, maybe because Mitch Jeter's 15 for 16 on point afters. I mean, outside of that, guys, five block block punts beamer ball has shown itself and has changed games and again that's something you really hope you can lean on and look forward to because the gamecocks are going to be underdogs in a lot of these games down the stretch and if you want to steal a couple if beamer ball shows up guys in games you block punts 88 percent success rate 88 percent win rate you got a great chance to secure victory it, it is such a nice thing for the gamecocks to have in their back pocket with the performance of the special team so again guys special teams for me is an a plus no doubt Let's move in to coaching. Now, this one's interesting, guys. This one's interesting, right? Because you sit here four and two, one and two in SEC play. You're coming off a victory. We're all very optimistic and excited about the second half of the season. And um, But there have been things, again, left to be desired. And, of course, this comes back to Marcus Satterfield and the play calling and the scheme and just what the offense is has looked like, right? It hasn't all been sunshine and rainbows. And obviously, I am behind Shane Beamer 110%. But we've got to be honest with ourselves. The coaching has not been impeccable. Now, I will say this. Great players make coaches look great, right? Average players make coaches look average. And bad players, well, guys, most of the time, they make coaches look not so good. But on the offensive side, Marcus Satterfield, the play calling and the lack of adjustments made. And I understand, right? There's many people or not. I won't say there's many. There's some out there that still want to put it on certain players and execution issues. And guys, I feel like I am as fair as anyone when it comes to being willing to admit, hey, you don't have the personnel, right? You just you just don't have the guys necessary to do what you are asking them to do but we talked about it all summer long and all preseason long that you're trading in the keys to the beat up hoopty for a ferrari and you still have not seen that type of performance out of the offense at least of what you were hoping for also guys slow starts i put that on coaching listen i'm a shane beamer guy through and through but he's got to figure out i think a lot of it again does come down to the offense but he's got to figure out how to get this football team going quicker. Because, guys, this isn't a one- or two-game sample size. This is a characteristic of this football team. Georgia State, you started slow. Arkansas, you were down 21-3. to Georgia, you were down 24 to nothing at halftime. Hey, guys, Charlotte, you started slow. You were down in that football game and were only up 20-14 to at half. Even SC State, you got off to a sluggish start. And then you look at Kentucky. Yes, you got the fumble in the first play of the game and you score immediately. But after that, guys, you had 90 yards of offense in the first half. And Kentucky was literally trying to give you that football game early on. These slow starts, guys, I understand we're, we're a second-half team. We're a second-half team. Yeah, but when you dig yourself in a hole so deep you can't get out, that is a problem. And you're playing against teams in the second half that you're not going to be able to make a living. Well, we just start slow. Well, that's not going to be good enough to get to seven or eight or, God forbid, more wins in this season, right? On the flip side, give credit where credit's due. This is a coaching staff that's done a great job of getting this football team ready to play in the second half, making adjustments. We saw it in Lexington, right? On the offensive side, 
17 points. Spencer Rattler goes eight for 10 in the second half. Three 70-plus yard scoring drives. So while there have been slow starts, second half adjustments have been made. And then, of course, Pete Limbo and Shane Beamer on the special team side. Pete Limbo, guys, honestly, boosts this group up a ton, and he boosts this grade up as well. Uh, but I'm going to give the coaching guys a B. Uh, again, it's not a bad grade at all, but I think, again, there's still a lot of things left to be desired. I'm behind Shane Beamer 110%, but you got to get this football team started quicker. I look at that completely as a coaching issue. I, I think that is on coaching to get your team ready to play. It's certainly on your offensive coordinator to set up a script of plays, right? Because the first 10, 15 plays or so, they are scripted, no doubt. They are scripted plays. It is on your offensive coordinator to get your offense ready to go to start fast. And they are obviously not doing that. We've seen it now for six straight games, and I think it's something that has to change. Again, there are positives. I think this football team, or again, this staff, excuse me, does a great job of keeping this team motivated, of keeping these guys positive and keeping them believing in what they are teaching them. But slow starts, lack of creativity and play calling, those are my biggest problem areas at this point. Again, the second half adjustments, being willing to adjust uh, what you've done on special teams. I think also Clayton White, what he did in Lexington with that game plan. You know, Jimmy Lindsay, what he did with his defensive line. There have been positives, but I feel like a B – uh, a B is very fair when it comes to the coaching grade at this point in the season. Guys, let's move into our overall grade for the first half of the Gamecocks 2022 football season. And here's what's interesting, guys. I just talked offense, defense, special teams, and coaching. With all that being said, no matter how it's looked, which I feel sort of hypocritical saying that because I did spend a lot of the preseason and a lot of the summer saying, hey, and you're to a Shane Beamer. It's not just about how many you win and how many you lose. It's about how you look doing it, right? Because style points matter in college football. And I understand what I said. But with that being said, here's the bottom line. Guys, it's a winning business. It's all about winning. It is about, at the end of the day, when the dust settles, what was your record? You are what your record says you are to a degree. And right now, through six games, the Gamecocks are 4-2 and two and 1-2 and two in SEC play, exactly where I picked them to be in July. Has it been pretty? Has it always been fun to watch? Absolutely not. Are there things that this football team has to improve on, that this football team has to correct to get to even just bowl eligibility? Yes. But, guys, as I sit here right now on this Monday, right, and we're going to dive into this in just a second, but if you'd have told me here on this Monday, October the 17th, the Gamecocks would be 4-2, and 1-2 and two in SEC play, with a win over Kentucky and 29th in both the AP and the coaches poll and just a four-point underdog to the Texas A&M Aggies, a team they had never beaten before. If you told me South Carolina was in that position, I would have signed up for that in a heartbeat and been giddy doing so, right? Again, there's still a lot left to be desired. The offensive side, it has been ugly. It has been abysmal at times. It has not been a lot of fun to watch at times. Spencer Rattler's play has not been up to par, at least in my eyes. 
Defensively, there have been lapses at times, no doubt. This is an imperfect football team. This is an inconsistent football team that has some issues. But the bottom line is this. You're 4-2, and 1-2 and two in SEC play, and I think if you came into this season like I did with realistic expectations, with reasonable expectations for year two of the Shane Beamer era, guys, the Gamecocks are right on pace to hit that seven, maybe even eight win mark. So with that being said, I'm giving the overall grade for the first half an A-. minus. And for some of you, you know, I saw some of the grades. You guys were saying C, C-, minus, C+, plus, and that C to D range even. And I just thought to myself, I understand the offense has not been great, but I think you have to separate your grading for, yes, the offense has not met our preseason expectations. But the overall results, right, that product, which is what we sign up for in the beginning, four and two, one and two through six games. You've hit the exact mark I was hoping for in the preseason. So it's really hard for me to guys to be, to be overly critical in in that regard uh, when you're exactly where I picked you to be. So a minus for me is the overall grade. Uh, You know, I know we have, you know, heated discussion and banter. I mean, I've talked to many of you, especially after, after this weekend, watching Tennessee do what they did. And of course the number one, uh, number one offense in college football and, and watching some other sec teams, really fun, high flying dynamic offenses. And I know that leaves a lot to be desired, and that pisses some people off. Just call it for what it is. It's so funny, guys. I had to create in our Big Cock Club Discord, which you have not joined. You should over at patreon.com slash Club. I had to create a channel called Slap Dickery because there was so much slap dickery happening in all of our other channels. I felt like, you know what? This needs its own channel. So shout out to all my folks in the Slap Dickery channel chatting with each other as we speak. But... um. You really just have to keep things in perspective. You, you really do. I, I think you got to keep things in perspective. And if you came into the Shane Beamer era with realistic expectations and understanding what would have been a successful and what will be a successful year two, I think you're nothing but grateful and happy to be four and two and one and two in conference play at the halfway point, especially when you factor in who you've played, where you played them, those types of things. You're sitting in a pretty good spot with a great opportunity going in the second half of your season to uh, to win some big games, to get the bowl eligibility for a second straight year, and to maybe even do more than that. So again, guys, my overall grade for this football team, an A-, minus, and I'll run back through my grades really quickly at the halfway point through six games. Offense, I'm giving a C-. minus. Defense, I'm giving a B-. minus. Special teams, give it an A+. Plus. Coaching, I'm giving a B, and the overall grade with this Gamecocks football team at the halfway point, an A-. minus. Guys, I would love to hear your thoughts. What are your overall grades? How do you feel about my grades on the first half or for the first half of this season? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Where are my biggest misses? Where are my biggest wins? Y'all let me know, and I'm sure you will all do that in the comments and on social media, on the Daily Crow, all throughout our content as we roll through this week. Guys, we're not done with it yet, though. Hey, with the first half being concluded, let's look back at the top standouts. First half MVPs through the first six games. We'll do this for offense, defense, and special teams. And guys, again, I really just wanted to recognize a few guys who are the standouts of this football team at this point 
in the season. We'll start on the offensive side, and guys, this one is really a no-brainer. I ran a poll on Twitter. I don't have it pulled up exactly what the results are, but he ran away with it. Marshawn Lloyd has been incredible to this point in the season, and I really think he's shown he needs to be the focal point of this offense moving forward. 75 carries on the year thus far, 434 yards, averaging 5.8 yards per carry, and seven touchdowns. He's also got 15 catches for 149 yards and two touchdowns. So nine total touchdowns on the season at the halfway point, guys. It is a no-brainer. He is your first half MVP on the offensive side. On defense, this one was a lot tougher because there's actually a lot of guys who have played really good football. You know, Gilbert Edmond leads you in tackles for loss with seven. I, you know, I, I was hard on him in the preseason, but I think Jordan Birch and Zach Pickens have had really impressive first halves. You know, Cam Smith's been Cam Smith, right? He's got an interception. He's not getting thrown at a lot. Darius Rush, I think, has been solid. Uh, but the guy I'm going with is a youngster, Nick Emanwari, who right now is leading your football team as a freshman in total tackles with 37 on the year. This dude, E-Man, has been flying around week after week after week. And again, guys, you know, it, it's tough because I feel like there's a couple of dudes that really could have won this award, right? There's a couple of guys that I think are deserving. But Nick Emanwari, E-Man, for me, what he's done as a young player has been incredible. 37 tackles, like I mentioned. So, again, our first-half MVP on the defensive side goes to Nick Emanwari. And finally, guys, on the special teams side of things, Mitch Jeter, our first half MVP, six for six on field goals, his long of 53, uh, also 15 of 16 on point afters. And really, guys, the reason Mitch wins this, uh, when you have to replace a guy like Parker White, and he followed up Elliott Fry, right? You're talking about back-to-back record setters in regards to field goal kickers and point scorers at South Carolina. That's a lot of pressure, and Mitch Jeter has not even flinched one time, man. This dude has been incredible. Like I said, he's perfect six for six on the year on his field goals, even showed off the big booming leg with a long of 53. Uh, I think Mitch Jeter has been incredible. And, again, when you talk about a Gamecocks offense that has not been great and you're trying to trying to find points wherever you can get them, having a dependable field goal kicker is a must. So again, Mitch Jeter, our special teams MVP with the first half. And I want to say congratulations to all of our first half MVPs. And again, guys, as always, I would love to hear from you. Who are your first half MVPs? I feel like the one that'll probably be the most debatable is on defense. Cause like I said, there's a couple of guys that could win this, but all in all, I feel really, really good about our first half MVPs guys. And guys, in case you did not know this, when the season concludes, uh, we'll go back and do this again, and I will give my grades uh, for the overall season. We'll also do a big TSUS award show. Those of you who have been listening for a few years, you already knew that. We'll hand out awards for the season. But, again, just definitely wanted to recognize those guys for their performances in the first half of this season, and I would love to hear your thoughts and feedback on those guys hey that's gonna do it all for me except for we've got one quick note and this just dropped texas a&m opens as a four point favorite against the gamecocks in saturday night's game and you know what's so interesting about that is that texas a&m we know or at least it's the rumor but it sounds like it's true they will be on qb3 under the lights at williams rice stadium yet south carolina still opens as the underdog and i understand listen i think vegas they want you to prove it they want you to show all right the gamecocks hey tip your cap you beat kentucky you took advantage of a will levisless kentucky team are you for real and you're going to build on that and you're really going to be a threat in the east or was it a one game wonder and you're going to turn back into the south carolina we saw 
early in the season. You know, it's so interesting. I think South Carolina is still a bit of a mystery, right? They're still a bit of a mystery because you, you, you beat two cupcakes in SC State and Charlotte. You beat Kentucky without Will Levis. Just how good of a team are you, right? Just how good of a team are you? That is the question. We will find it a lot this weekend. And, of course, guys, we will spend all week long breaking it down. But take it for what it's worth. Gamecocks are a four-point underdog on their home field under the lights against Texas A&M. And also, guys, the over-under in that game, 45-and-a-half. We'll talk gambling, of course, on Wednesday. But I think Vegas obviously expecting a low-scoring affair between two offenses that rank in the bottom third of the conference. So we'll see what happens again. We'll talk more gambling on Wednesday, but it's going to be one hell of a week. And guys, make sure you stay tuned to us all week. Podcast on the normal schedule, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the Daily Crow, Monday through Friday, noon to two on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, taking your questions, your comments, and your calls. And yes, guys, the Daily Crow is now dropping on the TSUS podcast feed as well. So if you do miss it, now you can go back and listen on the TSUS podcast feed. Felt like it was the best move to condense those. And it's even more content for you all that tune into the Spurs Up show on a daily basis. Guys, again, thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. So excited for this week as we count down the seconds until kickoff when the Gamecocks return to action against Texas A&M. Let's have a week. Great week to have a week. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday, and we will talk to you all on Wednesday. Wednesday.